Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast. The podcast where we talk about all things dead parent. The good the bad. And of course, the banter. Hosted by Sam and Kat. Thank you so much for listening. So this week's podcast is the first of a series featuring some special guests. Among them are members of the DPC and also friends and family of the DPC. So joining us today is Sam Jones, PT, also known as SJPT. So say hello, Sam. Hello, guys. You okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sam, do you want to give us a brief introduction into who you are? Uh, well, who I am, I'm a personal trainer and a nutritionist, but my, the reason I guess I'm sat here is because I am part of the DPC and I lost my mum 10 years ago to cancer. Wow. Straight in. Straight no in. Didn't even, didn't even go like. a chance to actually ask the question. I don't so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to ask you kind of a series of questions that we think other people might want to know answers about. Mm-hmm. Also, what we're interested in about as well. So I know obviously, so Kat and Sam... Well, Sam, Jazz, Sam, Jazz, PT, you know each other very well, whereas I just kind of know of Sam, seen his PT videos everywhere, um, so I'm also just interested to hear a bit more about it as well. Yeah. In what sense? In personal training sense? <laughs> I'm trying to tell my personal training here. Um, so you want to know more about how what, what I went through and how my mum died? Yeah, okay? because obviously all she's heard about you okay, is no, that's fair enough. So, um, But actually I thought, to start with, we could talk about how we know each other. Okay, that's just, this would be a fun conversation. Yes, I think so it would be. me and Kat met, I think it was over Christmas, on a train back from Liverpool. Manchester. After, I was in Manchester after yeah. quite a few drinks, and um, we had a mutual friend who told me that her mum had died, and at that point... You didn't know, though, when you met me. No, but I also didn't tell you in that, that moment that my, no, that my mum had died. Yeah. So I... I kind of knew and I kept it to myself. Yeah. And then I woke up the next morning, I think, and sent you a soppy message. No, so was it a few days on, after? on the train, you said, to, you, we were talking about parents, and I think you asked me what my parents did. Mm. So I was like, oh, my dad's retired and my mum's dead. And you didn't, like, you didn't react then and say, oh, that's happened to me too. You just, you just kind of like, oh, mm. like, wow. And then, yeah, you sent me a sloppy message, but that was on Christmas Eve, I think, yeah. for quite a few days. I think, as, as you know, since I've told you, I become very close automatically to people who I know have lost parents. Yeah. But the reason I didn't say anything back to you is I didn't want it to be like, oh, you know, my mum's died as well. I wanted you to kind of not have your moment. Top, top trumps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. what I would appear like. So I just kind of held it to myself and then I, I'd already ticked you in my friendship circle from that point <laughs> going forward. Little I did I know. Where we are now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's how Sam and I met. Um, funny really because I've got both Sam's here and both of us kind of have this 
really exclusive bond because we've both got a dead parent. That's it. No, that's yeah. true. I think it's really interesting how you say like you immediately immediately become close to people that you know have lost a parent because mm. I also find that like yeah. if I because you just you're instantly on a level with them. I just want to hug them. Yeah, they, they could tell me, and I just want to hug them. Oh, guys or girls, honestly, that's how it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you text Imogen after you'd met me, saying like, "Oh, I just wanted to give her a hug." Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So cute. <laughs> Do you almost feel like as well because? I mean, I suppose we should probably go into a bit more as to how and when your mum died, but I know your mum died 10 years ago. Do you feel that you're almost like the big brother in the DPC? Yeah, 100%. I'm like, yeah, I I was going to say, I feel like I'm like a father to them because it's been that long. So, no, it's true. Like, to the younger people, like, obviously, um, I have a friend called Alex who's, I think he's about 23, 24. Yeah, um, so, yeah, sorry, obviously old, you're younger. How so old I'm, are you now? Sam? I'm 28 now. So, obviously, I was 18 when my mum died, but... I know, obviously, of other people, a girl called Rosie, whose mum died, who's mm. kind of, it's been a short amount of time and she's younger than me. So I know it sounds really cheesy, but yeah, I think I do I do like the fact that I can hopefully advise yeah. them as well. Yeah. yeah, I think we're going to talk about that a bit later, about people around them that have like lost parents and stuff, mm. aren't we? So um, I think the first thing we want to ask you is like a bit more of an insight into, you know, how old you were and what yeah, happened no, and stuff course. like that, just to give a bit of background to it. So if we go way back, and it's hard for me because it was that long ago. Um, my mum first got cancer, I think, when I was 13 or 14. Uh, so that went on for a few years. That was breast cancer. She got better from that. And then it was about two years after she got secondary cancer, which eventually spread, uh, obviously, away from her lymph nodes, into yeah. her lungs, bones, everywhere. Um, and I I was never officially told. So I was actually at, at college. So finally, year of college... I was I just turned eighteen. I was quite selfish, I think, and I mean I kind of got over it now. But I was selfish in the fact that I presumed she would get better. No one had actually told me she was going to die, so I only it only dawned on me on the evening of when she actually died when I got picked up by man and granddad. And even then, in the car on the way to the hospital, I was never told. It was just the vibe in the car. Like they obviously knew. My brother was older than me; he knew. But me and my twin sister Emma. Um, didn't know, but I just got that vibe. So then we got to the hospital at Leighton and um, she was already kind of brain dead. And then, yeah, she died and it just all happened. So a lot of people say to me, you know, oh, you knew, you must have known about it. But for me, it was a car crash because I selfishly being young, I'd never dealt with death. I just thought my mum's invincible and yeah. she'll get better, if that makes yeah. sense. So how long do you... Or do you know now, like, how long everyone else knew that she was oh, dying? she knew. So my mum died March 31st, 2008. She knew... Well, she got she got remarried on the basis she was going to die. So the, her right. then uh, boyfriend, she ended up marrying in July the year before. Gosh. So, so she, she knew, knew for that long. And, that, and wow. the selfish part of me says, I'm so glad I wasn't told because to, to go through, what, six, seven, eight months of knowing my mum was going to die... Would I have ever left her side? Probably not. Yeah. But my nan and granddad obviously knew. I think my brother, I, don't, I couldn't say he knew straight away, but he definitely knew before well, he's me. He's older than you. Yeah, he? he's so, okay, he's only three years older, but back then that's quite a long kind yeah. of period of time. But even my dad knew. So all the signs were there. My dad, mum and dad split when I was six, but my dad moved, he'd moved away to Wigan and he moved back to Northwich um, when mum was ill. And he says he knew, he'd read up about secondary cancer. And basically, as you guys, I'm sure will know, yeah. the chance of survival is so pretty sorry. low from that. But right. 
18-year-old Sam, just turned 18, didn't question secondary cancer, just presumed my mum would get better, I guess. I feel like it wasn't such... I don't know whether it's just because I feel like it's talked about a lot more now because it's happened, but I feel like it's actually quite a recent thing of people being a bit more open about cancer. Maybe that's just because of all the research that's going into it now. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe it's just because we've only recently been in the world of it. Like, yeah. Maybe. You rec- but I do think there is a lot but there is a lot more There's a lot more information online now than yeah. there was yeah. then. Like I think if that had happened to you now and you're that age now, the first thing you'd probably do of is course. Google it. Yeah, I mean what you when I when my mum died in that moment I presumed I was an adult. Yeah. But now when I look back or say when I see eighteen year olds rocking around, they're kids still. Yeah. So I was eighteen, literally just turned eighteen. I was a kid and no, I, you, you don't. You don't think about those. Like now, yeah, you're right. If my mum was ill now, uh, I'd be I'd be on social media or whatever. I'd be I'd be on the internet. I'd be trying to find out more about it. And I I probably would have known before, but back then, no, it was it, yeah, it was kind of a car crash to me. Yeah, I mean, ten years ago, it's quite a long time, isn't it? Yeah, well, definitely. yeah, in technology terms, definitely. Yeah. When you talk about having access to information on the internet, and everything, I've never even I never thought about it like that really. But no. in age as well. Yeah. Think, oh God. Like, yeah. Eighteen. Would you really be? Searching stuff like that, you know what I mean? Well, I can talk. I can talk from experience that I was right. eighteen. I wonder whether but, that's a difference between. I don't know. It's a bit of a generational difference, I think. Possibly. Yeah, but also maybe a gender difference as well. Yeah, no. Obviously, being be like, be like an eighteen-year-old. I mean, I don't know if you were like a laddie lad. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. I was like any normal lad. Yeah, a laddie, a laddie lad. Yeah. Yes. So whether then. I mean, autumn, you're just very um, naturally going to approach things differently anyway to what your little cat might have. Little cat. <laughs> yeah. Little me. But yeah. Especially like, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think maybe a bit of mine was as well. If I remember right, then obviously it was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, of course. Just um, maybe two months before she actually died, I remember a phone call with my nana granddad where they said things were looking good. Mm. and I think they're obviously trying to protect me yeah because at the end of the day you know she died in the March when I think my final college exam started maybe six weeks after that so, brutal, so they yeah. were trying to obviously protect me but I think maybe that in the long run gave me false hope yeah um so maybe I think I think with me if I'd known she it, it, the severity of it and maybe not been shielded so much perhaps maybe I would have looked into it more I don't know but for it's me, such a difficult situation, isn't it? And you can't look back and think I would have done things differently. No. So I did for a while. Yeah. Cause, well, don't we all do, don't we? Like, yeah, I mean, if, for me, if you look at the final day, so the, the night when I actually got driven to see mum when she was already kind of brain dead and gone, I'd been to see her in the day. And you know they say a lot of people kind of, they perk before they come crashing yeah. down. So my yeah. mum had exactly that. And I remember being in the hospital where she, the signs were there again in hindsight. She, she'd been moved to a private room, which yeah. automatically, now I know what that means. Yeah. That she'd been taken out of the main ward. Um, but I remember I actually, she had these wet wipes and she, she couldn't really move that well. So I actually kind of gave her, what, I don't know, a dry bath or whatever. Aww. I did, yeah. And, but what the selfish part of me then, I'll never forget, I got a text off Mike, I think it was, and I left because I wanted to do something. Yeah. And and that played on me for ages. I'm over it now. I've kind of accepted it. But for a long time, I felt like I was so selfish that I knew mum was ill. And that I think it was something silly, like maybe going to the cinema or going out or something. Yeah. And I just kind of up sticks and left. And now, in hindsight, that was the last time 
obviously ever saw mum kind of alive. I feel like we've both been there, like especially because we were at uni at the time as well, and obviously social life at uni is so intense. Yeah, I find that's one of the most difficult things, is just desperately wanting to... I mean, because both me and Kat knew our parents were dying, so like you say, mm. yeah, we I, I didn't want to go back to uni when I found out. I didn't want to leave aside. Yeah, no. but then... And what I say to so many people is like, just, you you can't like you have you still have a life to live. You can't mm. just put your life on hold but as much as you want to. That must be, obviously I didn't have that choice because I didn't know. Yeah. For you two, that must have been such a kind of a a hard battle to fight against, trying to find that middle ground of still leading a life but knowing it was that you had like, to see as much of them as you could. When I think about it now, because the fact that I found out my mum was terminal, just under two years between her actually passing away. Like two years is a, is a long time, yeah. and within that space, it kind of goes to the back of your mind a little bit, especially because my yeah, mum wasn't yeah, obviously yeah. showing signs. Yeah. So I did kind of distance myself again and start living mm. my life. And even when it got up to the point when she was at home, like bedbound, I was still out living my life a bit, and that eats away at me now because I wish for those. I was at Freshers Week in the start of October, and she died a month later. And like when I think about that, I'm like, damn, I wish I'd been at home instead mm. yeah but it's I, so hard i know but i do always say to everyone like you can't you can't feel guilty about no. that stuff no. and i don't now like like it, like it, these it, just said it played on just burning mind for so long but yeah. i think there's kind of not pros and cons but we've clearly had you two had a the situation where you knew for a long time so your downside was i guess you kind of had to know for that period of time but mm. at least you had the time to prepare now my positive sad selfishly was that I didn't know in my eyes that she was going to die. Yeah. So I could, my life was very much oblivious to, but then the downside was I didn't have that time to kind of Even process, process what was remotely. going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'd gone from, I remember I was staying at, at my friend's bike, uh, Mike Capel, so I'm very close to his family. And that was another sign. I'd kind of been put there at 18. I didn't mm. even realise, you know, that I'd been told to stay there. And I'd gone from that to chatting. I, I, I don't know if they knew their, his parents or anything, but I went from chatting there to being picked up at like one in the morning so you know something's not right so then it just happened so quick and then I remember when she actually when she'd gone to the eternal life support office oh, and that you never forget the noise you know that beeping of the the heart monitor thing and then yeah I just went outside outside the car park and just kind of looked up and like what the hell has just happened yeah. in in over a space of that, two like, hours that feeling is just mm. like, did, oh. you, did you see her dead? yeah well I saw I saw her, I obviously, she was already gone at that point, but, you know, it's quite a blur, but I remember being at the end of her bed and I gave her a kiss and what just kind of stuck in my head was the gasping of her breath, although she was brain dead, her body is yeah. still, that horrendous that, that noise, haunts, but yeah. That me oh, so much, yeah. the sound of that. Part of me kind of wishes I didn't, but then would I have regretted it if I, I, I didn't go and see her, but yeah. to see her in her unnatural state, yeah. and then even worse, I went and saw her, um, obviously before she was before the funeral did you yeah so oh, i don't know if you two you? did that no i didn't do that i don't i don't know why i did it i don't know whether <laughs> everyone else did well it's because probably because you hadn't had any closure yeah. about it like you but, had literally no time to prepare whatsoever like going to see her before the funeral i think that didn't even really cross my mind yeah. i think my dad you, might have yeah, mentioned know, it but so. i was like no i've already but seen her dead to be in um i think it's the morgue isn't it to be yeah. there oh, it's, and it's so it's just a, obviously it has to be cold yeah and and I can't believe now that feels to me like a, another person who went there. It's very strange. And but yeah, seeing her in a coffin all dressed up, it was weird. I guess you know, generally I blocked that out of my That's mind. That's such but, an intense thing to do. Yeah. I was just about to say that exact same sentence. Yeah, as an eighteen-year-old lad mm. to have to go into a morgue to see your mum like yeah. 
Like yeah. it's just yeah, the whole the smell of a morgue and, oh, and the, the coldness of it. Yeah, I know, but then again, I, I, obviously I, that's how I kind of not remember, but that's the last image I have of it. But then would I have regretted it? If, you if did I it. didn't, it's I, a con- I got it's given a constant option. choice, yeah. isn't it? You can't, well, like we say, you can't win either way with it. No, you can't. So what I found interesting there was that you said um, you're over it now, but it took you a while. Was there anything in particular that you think that's helped you get over it? Over or was it, the, so, in, not, obviously not the whole thing, no, but you mean in the sense of... That when you said like that sense of regret for I leaving think, that night. As I get older, like as you two will know, it, it shapes your thinking and, and perspective and stuff. And I think I fought my battles and I eventually said I have to pull myself out of it, otherwise it'll absorb me, I suppose. So it didn't happen overnight. But I look back now and I, and I maybe think, what would my mum have thought? And she would yeah. definitely have thought, don't be stupid. You were, you were just under 18, you See, didn't like... know. So I think, yeah, now it's 10 years on. Although you always stop grieving, you never stop grieving, sorry, and it's shit my life. I had to, I had to kind of let go of certain things about it. Because mm-hmm. it got to a point where it was the stress... Yeah, you know, obviously, cat that I have macalitis, which is yeah. so that's a, a bowel disease. Which I know that started from everything that happened, basically. So that spurred it on, and now it's like, do I just keep getting stressed and stressed? And then what was that? Sorry, what was it called? Colitis. So it's it's not very well known because of kind of stupid bowels and no one's in the <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no one's talking yeah. about death. I can't win either. So that was caused from. I know. Basically, when I went and they said. They said you got colitis, and I said, "Oh well, why?" They said it's generally linked with stress, and I knew. Not only did I have to go through my college finals, uh, but it, straight after mum died. But then, like, obviously, then you dumped off to uni, and so me and Emma, my twin sister, both went off to uni to Sheffield. Grieving wasn't a, a thing. Like yeah. you straight from that to life, a place where you that life just has to carry on. But I think on. for me, it carried on too quick. So at uni. Obviously, everyone's young and they're buzzing. My mum died like four months before. And I'm like, yay. So, <laughs> so then it's like, obviously, I just started drinking like everyone does. And I think everything built up that, especially as a guy, I mean, you know what I'm like now, I'm very emotional. But back then, I'd, I'd always viewed it as a, as a man. You're not supposed to be emotional. So I guess I locked it up. I got colitis at 21. Um, and that's obviously where all my nutrition background started and stuff. But yeah, that now... I had to stop that because I would have just got worse and worse. The way, the thinking, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So that's the nice thing about hearing it from you like 10 years on. Like with me now, it still eats me up. Like yeah, stuff like yeah. that. But you know that you know, as the years go on, you'll become you'll become more accepting yeah, of, of it. Of course, you have to be. Yeah. So obviously you went straight, pretty much straight into university then. Um, how did the people around you react? Did you have any friends around you that were supportive? Were um, you able to tell people straight away? So, no, it's... <laughs> It wasn't something I was open about, uh, generally, because at the end of the day, if I look, I was an 18-year-old lad, and you're you're thrown into a scenario where everyone's come from all over the country. No one knows anyone. Like it, it, it was hard enough telling my closest friends. Like the and first thing you want to say to yeah. somebody is, "Hi, I'm Sam, and my mum died from yeah. <laughs> the the icebreakers would have been a bit awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a fun that. fact. That's yeah. probably something that I would have done to be fair. <laughs> what I was I was lucky, if you can call it lucky, that I had one of my who became one of my closest friends at uni, Tom. His mum had died, um, as well. The DPC. Yeah, another yeah. member. But again, we, again, I look back at eighteen, mean eighteen. We never spoke about it on this depth. We just had this mutual 
bond, yeah. both of them have died. It's like Star Wars. What is it? They say, like, the power within you. It's magnetic. It? Yeah. It's magnetic power. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, just, like, you just bring all these, like... <laughs> people around you like losing a dead parent is like Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> like the Jedi we are like the Jedi aren't we the growing cult yeah <laughs> Luke I am not your yeah. father <laughs> your father is dead <laughs> anyway <laughs> carrying on yeah no that was like I said through uni the people you're around you don't at that age you don't speak to them about it. I spoke on a very low level to my friend Tom whose mum had died and even then like even my family my sister I was very isolated about it in myself mm. and I think I that... feel like that's not truly sexist I feel like that's quite a quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Male no, it is. No, that's what I said. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, and then I don't know. Like, I don't know what's happened to me as I've got older. I just, I think I know talking about it helps me, and I guess that's a process in itself. So, some people can't can't just talk about it straight away, yeah. depending what age it is. It took me. I got out of uni, and I, uh, I, I you know, passed uni, and then I worked with my dad as an electrician for a little bit, and then I ended up delivering beer for a few months. I was kind of lost because I just got dropped out, and then. The best thing I ever did was go to Australia for a year. And I think that's where I had a, a period of time where I could sit back and take in what happened. Because it feels like, because I've just gone college finals, university, you know, that was all, that was four years. I finished uni at 21 and my mum died yeah. just after I was 18. You know, I, life had just carried on. Zero time yeah. process. And I think when I sat back in Australia and then especially when I came back and I started my first training course, that all just gave me a chance to be more open and I think with my work now it's a quite an emotional job I have mm. as you well know Kat that I do see I speak to people on a very deep level and now that has helped me speak openly like I am now I guess but it's taken time that's the thing like yeah but it's flown by it happens to everybody on different levels I think it definitely depends on who you've got around you because I might not be as open as I am about it if I didn't have some vidler in my life yeah because she like us talking about it has made it clear to me that it's okay to speak about it you really hit a point as a male which i would say to anyone who's any male who's lost a parent at any age just talk about it like that's that's anyone that will on any level as a male regardless of death we're not we're told we're not told but we're kind of lived like that we shouldn't be emotional it's a weakness it's total opposite it's like a for me it's a pressure release like 
you can build up and build up. You talk about it, you literally release like it out, out of you. It? Like, yeah. <gasps> and then you just feel so much better for it. Do you have any advice then? Because I know it's often, often the people that it's happened to want to speak about it, but if you're in a group of lads, like, mm. is there anything that you think the friendship, the friends can do to... Oh, from a friend's point of view, Yeah, again, like, if, as in if you... Would you have... Is there anything that you wish your kind of friends yeah. had done or think, to you? So if I if I look at my my closest, my core group who were with me, obviously if I went to university and they're still my core group now, only one of them, a guy called Will, was who I felt I could emotionally speak to on his own. And there were certain other people around me. But in terms of my group of lads at that age, and I guess at any age, it's not something you, you bring up as a group. So the best advice from friends to whose mates have died especially guys not pull them aside but speak to them one-to-one and then for me as time went on I was more open about speaking in the group I mean that's that's obviously on the individual but yeah I'd say from a friend's point of view don't bring up in a group unless they do but when it's just you two speak about it and let them kind of get it off their chest and that's a really good like I know you kind of just briefly said it like unless they do that's really important important, as well like If they start to talk about it, like, allow them mm. to do mm. so. Yeah, don't try and cross off like, oh, this is an awkward yeah. subject. Just yeah, like... no, but no, let them talk and, and just, you know, ba- obviously banter aside and just yeah. let them go. But at the same time, in the reverse of that, a big thing for me was the kind of awkwardness people would have towards me. And you guys yeah. will have felt this. So my mum, because my mum was a teacher at Leftwich High School, she had a lot of ties to the college. So everyone yeah. knew who she was. My dad was a teacher as well. So... <laughs> what I found when I walked into college, it was just like silence looking at me. I'd be walking out of the courtyard and I could hear, I could feel That's what Jones. was going on. Yeah, and, so and, was that the college, the same college that you went to? Yeah, that was my right. college. My mum didn't teach that college because everyone had come up through Leftwich right, okay. into yeah. that college. They knew who she was. They knew what had happened. Um, and then even like, I remember never forget, me and my brother were walking through town and we heard someone behind us talking about my mum. Not in, not that that's them, but saying... Not being heard, aware that... Yeah, have you heard so. about Mrs Jones? So that that was weird. But yeah, the awkwardness of when you walk into a room, so the best thing I can basically give to friends is if they want to be normal, throw banter at them. So not, obviously not about their parent dying, but it's a bit brutal. <laughs> straight away. Not, definitely not but straight away. Don't advocate. Throw, <laughs> like, just being... To, to me, what I, the people I aired towards were the people who still were natural around me. Yeah. And when I wanted to, especially when I... Will at that age, I confide in him because I felt my other friends, I couldn't get that from them. Yeah, uh, and even now, and it's like, no like offense to them, like people. No, it's are, just who they are. People are different. Yeah. they were probably like felt awkward because no one in my my group has ever lost a parent. Yeah. So yeah. at that age, it's like, oh god, what what what's going on here? Yeah, definitely. But, no, my I never forget my my friend Will. We've, we've done. He's been with me everywhere. We sat on my mum's grave with Domino's pizza, mate. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> a few, I'll never forget it. A few weeks after. And, Actually, he was the guy I rang. So when I walked out of the hospital and I just kind of like sh- was standing around the car park a bit oblivious, I rang him. Uh, it's like three in the morning. He answered. I wasn't crying. Aww. He was crying. He just broke down in tears and ran into his mum and dad's room and I heard them all crying. And I'm like, I- I'm speaking like I was You're now. in so much shock, yeah, aren't you? I was like... stone cold. Like, yeah. this is my mum has just died. And He's, I could so hear you at that time, it's like state, state of fact, isn't it? Like I remember ringing you and just being like... There's no soft, there's no soft low, is there? Yeah. You don't go, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, but my mum's dad. Yeah, it's you, just... You just said it. And, yeah. I, and I was in like a, a zombie mode, I guess. But I'll never forget that call because he bawled his eyes he out. So and I, I, I didn't even... I, don't, I didn't cry until probably 48 hours after. I just kind of stood around like... Yeah. 
oblivious to it all, but yeah. It's like a dream or a nightmare. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a nightmare. It's not a nice dream. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so obviously you lost your mum. Mm-hmm. What was your relationship with your dad like, both before and then after and since? Yeah, did you notice any changes? Is it kind of the dynamic change? Um, obviously, my mum and dad have split up. So I, I got, I always saw my dad, and I think if I. My dad would agree he isn't the most emotional person. And, you know, his mum and dad, how weird is it? His mum and dad was still alive when my mum had died. So he'd, never, he'd not yeah. been through it. Do you know what I mean? Like really my, interesting. His, his dad didn't die until, I don't know, four or five years after my mum. So in a way, in, a way in, that, in that sense, I was more experienced, unfortunately. That That's so him. crazy. Isn't, isn't it weird? It? Yeah. And his mum is still alive now. And my dad is 60 this year. So I think he struggled, like... It didn't affect us. Like at the end of the day, he, they split me years ago. But could I confide in him as a male to a male? Mm, no, I'm not not really because he wasn't with her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very a weird situation. They were together. He would have been grieving as well, but yeah. he kind of wasn't because they'd split up when we were six and she died when we were eighteen. Yeah. Do you think you've got more of like an appreciation towards your relationship with him now, or do you think, think like, you think dynamics kind of just kind of stayed quite neutral? Like you've just got that nice like father son relationship. I don't. I think I I'm more aware that people die around me on yeah. a general level I don't just mean that towards my dad but yeah I look at him and I realise he is my only parent now yeah right, obviously <laughs> but no not really like we, me and my dad were always close um maybe not so much emotionally but we always have been close and we still yeah. are I wouldn't say yeah. it changed massively I'm I mean he'll tell you first hand I just I, I annoy him because I'm worried about him as he gets older and the way he <laughs> leads his life obviously it comes back to my nutritional and Personal trainer background. I'm always passionate. I do eat my dad's head in and, and stuff like that. And I'm really so, honest with my dad. Interestingly, so do I with my mom. Yeah. I, I literally say, I've only got one parent, Dad left. Can you please live a little That's longer? That's literally what I <laughs> say. I'm trying to tell him that. There's only one hard. of you there. Yeah. It's like mining gold. <laughs> but no, I mean to all people. Just sneaking Brussels sprouts on <laughs> Just eat some greens. <laughs> yeah, but no, but to all people. I'm much more aware that they'll die around me, yeah. which is a pretty grim thing. But I had that lesson at a young age, as you know, Kat has kind of shaped me to be very emotional. It's unusual for a male, I guess. Yeah. How is it? Because I know Kat's mentioned to me before that kind of that you've mentioned about how it's changed the way that you kind of approach life. I suppose. Mm-hmm. How is that? How does it different now? Your attitude towards life it did back then. I know it's kind of a tricky one because it. You were 18, so yeah, naturally yeah, being yeah. 18, your attitude towards life is different anyway than 28. But because I've also had people ask me, like, do you now look at life differently? Mm-hmm. I mean, do it's you? more like a kind of like positivity. Like, yeah. I think people are surprised by how outgoing and positive you can be. Yeah. I think perhaps you go one or two ways, which sounds really obvious. You either just go downhill and you let it absorb you. And, and I have at times in my life, I think. But no, all the people I know have lost a parent at a young age. As far as I know, are very happy. Not, I don't know if they. It's women like me and Kat talk about this. On the, someone can appear happy on the face of it. Mm. They show a, a kind of screen of happiness, and I think maybe under there there is still unhappiness, as you both will know. But in terms of how it's changed me, I think because I didn't let it. I, I didn't let it in until I left uni. I think I went through uni. Obviously, it was kind of suppressed. In, it was in the back of my mind I didn't know that's why I got colitis that it was affecting me I just tried to get through uni and then I came out yeah. of uni and I had this whole kind of epitome where I realised I was going to die I realised people around me was going to die and, and what, what I made sure I did 
especially after uni, because that's when I was allowed to absorb it, was be open about how I feel to the people who are still alive. So my nana and granddad on my mum's side. Um, oh, you're so cute. With oh, well, they're like... They're been so the, funny. They've been the most consistent in my life. Like, And now... I don't care, I still kiss them, I don't give it. I don't care about telling people that because, and I tell them repeatedly, I love them and they wave from the window and I look at that now thinking, because they are old, that could be the last moment. And what I don't want is, and what I had with my mum was, in my eyes, my last moment could have been better. So I had a hard lesson to everyone around me that I guess I treat when I leave someone, it could be the last time I'll yeah. kind of see them. It's quite deep, but that's just yeah. where I'm at. I mean, yeah, I get that. I mean, and I often say to you, like, if I sit and think about life too much, I just get into this craziness of, like, we're just all here to die. <laughs> we're literally all just here to die. What, what is the point that? of me even trying yeah. when I'm just going to die? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I, I would be in an office job, I think. I would have I would have been doing quantity surveying, which is what think? my uni was, 100%, if my mum was still here, and hating on life. So what I do now is heavily driven towards health. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this, actually. How do you think health and fitness benefits people that are, no. that are grieving? Oh, I can pre- mm, preach yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> preach to the choir, aren't you? Yeah, but, no, look, for me, it began because I got colitis and, and, and uh, I looked at my nutrition. But now, obviously, after years of reading and helping people, I realise many people are in the gym for much deeper issues than just, I want to change my body shape. There's... You know, a lot of mental issues there. So for me, I know how eating well and exercising affects my mental health as well as my physical health. Yeah. Um, and everything, sleep and everything. But yeah, I, it's definitely been a massive part of my recovery. And, yeah. and that's how I view it. But I think I also appreciate my health so much because obviously I'd see my mum die. Like, yeah. It's the only thing we've got yeah. that we have control and over. And this is something I go in very deep on my clients on the fact that, you know, hell, you're going to die at some point in your life. You might as well eat well Try and balance and it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But if I look, like I say, me going into this area has been driven by my mum dying. I know it has. And this passion just to, to help people, you know, not just people who've lost a parent, but anyone who's struggling, I, I know where they're coming from, I think, because I've, I've experienced it. Yeah. I can really, you know, adhere Having to that. that empathy, isn't yeah, it? exactly, 100%. So, yeah, everyone, my client says, you know, Kat, I'm much more than just here's your food, here's your exercise. I want to get into their head and try and help them with that because I guess we all have our issues, not just people. Because we all go through death, don't we? People die around us. Yeah. Yeah. I think because, like... It's never easy. Like I've said, like, this is the longest that I've stayed in in the gym for. Yeah, so... forever. Yeah. So I don't think we've mentioned yet, but Sam Jones actually is Kat's PT. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's how we became friends. Yeah. Um, And I think... I I suffer a lot with kind of like mental health issues and like depression has been something that I've struggled with for a long time but I found like when I started with Sam and he got into my head about being more of a lifestyle than just me wanting to go to the gym to kind of look better it kind of helped me a lot kind of gives you a bit more motivation to go and do other things as well gives you more energy and then obviously eating better and looking after myself and I think it just it just proves the fact that I'm still there like eight months later yeah it's just testament to it i think it mostly comes down to like just noticing how you feel as well so mm. like because you'll say like yeah but I, f- I just feel so much better yeah like and you notice when you don't go yeah like just how green we feel yeah mm. and sometimes and i and i notice it as well but i am not yet 
I just can't like sustain. Sam I, is very erratic with her uh, yeah. training and eating. But then I, but then that, that instantly then also makes my like mental health erratic as well. I'm literally yeah. up and down. But mm. I know like you know what causes it. Yeah, what does it do? that you, isn't that isn't just, just this, like it's not in your head though. That is literally the science. I mean, you know, I bore cat with my my love for you don't bore me and with ancestral <laughs> like where we. Oh, genetically where we are every time you talk living. about something about being outside or being barefoot or being yeah. by a fire he's like oh basically your genetics. i'm not going to bore you with our ancestral genetics but we are designing we, we've been jumped in a world that's very out of where we're genetically meant to be and i mean that through pressures of work the, the, the diet we have our bodies aren't designed to process the foods the lack of nutrients movement the reason you feel better when you exercise of course, there wasn't gyms thousands of years ago, but they walked, they climbed, they built, they hunted. They hunted you, for their food. You're kind of replicating that in a gym environment, and you walk out with endomorph sort of serotonin. The blood is being pumped around you, and so that isn't just you guys feeling like, oh, it can't be real, but I do. That you actually are adhering to your genetics. So that's why it's such a big part for me and anyone. You do feel so much better, not just when you eat, but when you walk out of the gym knowing you've worked out. I guess. So, moral of the story is, if you're in the DPC, try and go to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? That's serious. You get control of your food. <laughs> if you feel like shit, yeah. try and go to the gym. Because yeah. I feel like, for most people, yeah, maybe not everyone, or maybe if not even the gym, maybe just joining some sort of club. Like, I've mm. recently joined netball again, and I'm absolutely loving it. Like, doing exercise, being outside, meeting exactly. new people. Get outdoors. You know, yeah. when we go on our random hikes around Wales, we come back so high good. on life, don't we? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's harder in this day and age people are very much always doing things indoors mm-hmm. like we're very indoorsy as a generation and i like of the friends that i know hardly any of them actually like going out and just doing new stuff and meeting yeah. new people just so very much in, in their routine <laughs> yeah it's cold but no. there are coats <laughs> yeah um, so yeah i do think that that's a massive yeah, massive I help totally for anyone yeah you have to pick your crowd don't you like yeah that's something that i've learned so important like yes like do you think that it's changed your relationships then and like the people that you bring close to you i i i I, you know me i love everyone but i i kind of get close to the people who think like me so i'm obviously now a very open thinker but if someone doesn't like going on long walks Mm -hmm. or isn't big on the gym or isn't big on questioning life over a coffee or a podcast or a podcast (laughs) like a lot of my friends aren't into that. I'm still friends with them. Yeah. Of course. But yeah, you're right. I, I angle towards, that's why we see so much of each other. We're on a level kind of playing field. You do, you, and I guess when you've been through something like this, it's hard. You can't just go out scouting for people who've lost parents as well. Like, <laughs> like, like, a, yeah, like a little thing in a local paper. Like, Even though anyone, sometimes I feel like that's like a legit like, thing. Like Tinder or that. Like they probably should be. Yeah. Like, you know, the should be form. I guess this is why you guys have created this. It's a hub. But everyone, of course, yeah. But to find people who are open-minded and, and just who you feel natural around and you can be yourself, you should never feel like you can't say something, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. And as I get older, you know, I do hang around people more often. Do I want to? You, don't, you know what I mean? Like when you're young, you feel you have to be part of you that angle. You have to go to you social events. You yeah. have to make an effort with this person you if you want to be cool. Yeah, you've got... You value your time more when you realise you die. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and then that's so what I do much. now. Like I have no issue turning down a night on the booze with the lads. I don't feel bad. Yeah. They can give me a little banter on the WhatsApp Boozy. group. Yeah. Like I'll be I'd rather be at home 
doing my thing that I want to do. See, I, I think like alcohol became a bit of a, an escape route Massively, for me a little yeah. bit. And I think it is oh, has been for you as well, Sam, like through our experience. And I mean, yeah. Even like without me realising it, like I was going out and I wasn't just getting a bit, bit tipsy. I was going out and guessing horrendously horrendously yeah, drunk and i mean then, i think that's one that's one part of our friendship that's not helped us the fact that we just both did it <laughs> very drunk yeah and then and then the next day just feel so horrendously yeah. miserable and whatever progress you've made you feel like you've stepped back about 30 steps mm. so i feel like as well as i'm kind of this is quite a recent thing really but i am realizing that it's not good for me to be going out yeah. drinking and i can see my friends in different environments where i'm not yeah. going out getting hammered all the time no that, i know first hand that you that you've told me that like from yeah. where you were probably just before we met last Christmas to where you are now. And I'm the same, like I hardly drink and then the day alcohol's a depressant. It's simple as that. Yeah. You you don't just wake up in the morning thinking you feel like crap. You literally do. And then and that's when I'm at my most depressed. Mm. When I wake up in the morning it's like eleven AM and like ugh, dry mouth. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's when I get down. So <laughs> yeah. I don't really I probably drink five or six times a year. I'll be honest, it's not a big thing for me. Mm, I'm very much, I am very much the opposite. I have a really tricky, go I do have a, go home, I, I, no, well, I have a, well, no, because I, I just have a really tricky relationship with alcohol. We encourage each other as well. Which is I have a really tricky relationship with it, because I, I was brought up in a pub, yeah. so like my entire life. <laughs> you didn't have a chance. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, my mum doesn't drink a drop, yeah. but I have got, I have got the drinking gene from my dad's side, but like my, entire life has revolved around people going for yeah, a pint yeah, habit, and so yeah. yeah and like I really appreciate the power of just going for a drink with someone and actually like and one thing I do I don't know because when you do have a drink with someone who has just lost a parent like I think it's good to, for them you to have a little up. drink yeah no, exactly yeah. And but it's I was, just make, there's trying, a level, trying not to go yeah. too far when yeah. I was younger I would always open up um when I was drunk, yeah. and I do, I do things. I look back now. That's what I mean. It's an escape route, but it's also like a, it's your your excuse to talk about. Yeah, it. you have to use alcohol. And I think because you can get everyone else on that level as well. So the alcohol yeah. becomes just like, what is the Bonding world and all this, you know? And 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 I remember actually now you say it, being younger, that was my time, and I do weird stuff like I remember a few times the taxi on the way home from that out, I would get to drop off at the graveyard to yeah. see my mum, yeah. and that's when I felt my most emotional yeah. at that age was oh, basically drunk as hell and and one of my mates James lived near uh lived near the, where mum was buried and I would basically just go back and stay at his yeah. and he just let me yelp for a bit around <laughs> mum's grave yeah. and then I'd go and then we'll wake up the next morning at that age you'd be like that didn't happen you know we'd just be eating normally <laughs> yeah whereas now I guess I don't need alcohol is what I'm saying yeah that's why I'm sat here talking about it yeah so I'm pretty sure you and I some have had some really deep chats over the years at uni about you know, from dead parents and stuff, not that either of us could probably remember them or recall oh them. Maybe not. No. So bad, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I think we'll uh, finish this off on a question that we kind of put together as a kind of final one. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we know that it's been 10 years since your mum passed away, and you're in a bit of a different position to both Sam and I because we're a little bit more recent. Yeah. Um, but what would you say to somebody now that's going through something similar to what you went through? And do you think it gets easier as you get older? So you mean someone who has, who literally their parents have just recently died? Yeah. Um, I could do another podcast on this. Um, mm, try and <laughs> Yeah, consolidate it. So I'd basically, what I learned being young, especially as a male, I'd always say that, let yourself be emotional because I definitely wasn't. And that definitely brought on a lot of negative things in my life. But 
I know this is so cheesy. Time isn't a total healer, but time does allow you to process it, and and it's always with you. But you kind of build your life around it, and there is no silver lining. But like I said to you early on in this, that what I do now is so massive. The way I think, the the life I lead, it is defined from that one night on the thirty first of March two thousand eight. Yeah. That it's simple as that. So obviously, I'd have my mum back at the click of her fingers. But life, you reassess it and it, it gives you a harsh reality of life that then changes your perspective. So I think that's why I get on as well with some people who've lost parents is they have had that moment early on, that brutal moment where they're like, oh my God, I can't just go through life being unhappy. I need to yeah. change it. So yeah, I, I guess I'd round up by saying, grieve, let yourself grieve. It will be with you for the rest of your life, but it will shape your life as well. That was absolutely fantastic. Beautiful. Really good. Thank you so much. No Sam. problem. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm sure we'll have you on here again soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's DPC podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today. If you've resonated with anything we've said, have any questions or want to get involved, please do contact us. We're on Instagram. It's at DPC podcast. You can email us on dpcpodcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website www.dpcpodcast.co.uk We have a whole bunch of resources over on our website more information about dealing with grief losing a parent and professionals to contact if you should need it because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast we're not providing healthcare we're just chatting shit (laughs) If you think this podcast could help someone, then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. See See you next Tuesday. Tuesday. Nailed it. Nailed it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.